0: whenever you take a, a very large technology, you know, categorically speaking, like machine learning and kind of lump it into just one area, like decisioning, then it kind of becomes a little dangerous to where if I kind of had to put my finger on it, you know, what is kind of the, the broader fear and concern is it's just lack of understanding and knowledge.
1: You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show.
2: Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 280 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Tyler Barron to the show. Tyler is the Chief Revenue Officer at Encapture, the intelligent document automation platform that helps companies, financial brands be more efficient and even more customer centric. Tyler has over 10 years of experience within SaaS and enterprise technology, and he has a proven record of success for developing and executing strategy while also creating repeatable frameworks to accelerate revenue growth. Welcome to the show, Tyler. It is good to share time with you today, buddy. Yeah, thanks, James. Glad to be here. You know, before we get into talking about automation and this this terminology machine learning I know has a lot of people probably feeling a little bit confused right now. Um, What's good for you personally or professionally? It is always your pick to get started on the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, lots of good stuff going on um, over here. I mean, professionally, you know, going on on three years here at capture. So, you know, feel like that's been a really strong journey. And then we were chatting it up here earlier uh, before, before we got kicked off, you know, personally coming up here on. Ten years of marriage and got two healthy boys and just feel like I'm in a wonderful season of life here personally and and feel very blessed from that standpoint. That's
2: fantastic. And, you know, when you think about the journey that you've been on, whether that be personally with your marriage, with your family, with your kids or professionally, it is a journey journey. Of growth, and there are different seasons of growth. And if you think about, you know, to start off this decade, twenty twenty, that accelerated a tremendous amount of "quote unquote" digital growth for financial brands. But if I look back, you know, over the previous year, twenty twenty two, going into twenty twenty three, I think the big theme coming out of that is what I'm framing around Ada, um, AI data and automation. And I like to use the word Ada and give this a name because I think it's a little less scary for people, particularly financial brand leaders um, to to think about to gain clarity around because the antithesis to clarity, it is confusion. And you know th- there's this idea that I was mentioning before machine learning. I, I want to start here. To provide some perspective for the dear listener to demystify these two words machine learning because right now from all the research that we've been doing both primary and secondary they mean different things to different people so can can we start here and demystify quote-unquote machine learning
0: categorically it's a it's a very broad term Whenever you think about that, it, it does kind of create a little bit of fear and risk and uncertainty as it relates to that, especially in the banking space. You know, for, for us, just broadly speaking, you know, really what machines learning is doing is it's it's automating the task of what what humans could be doing, which are some of these lower value operational type tasks. Um, ultimately, these systems can be trained to get smarter over time and continue to mimic those tasks. But you know, I, I do think it kind of gets, you know, brought into some negative assumptions really quickly around, you know, is this going to replace people's jobs? Is this going to create inherent credit risk, regulatory risk, or all these different elements? But, you know, in its most simple terms, it's really just a, you know, operational time and task saving um, piece of technology. Why Why is that, do you think, that people
2: might... Have these misunderstandings these these misconceptions what what is that rooted in
0: yeah i mean i I do think that there is some some valid concerns to where there have been some cases in the past to where especially on the lending side of things as it re- relates to decisioning to where these models have started to do some have some negative um social impact to a certain degree automatically are creating some bias or things like that you know then these banks get into some regulatory issues or or they're not compliant with with their fair lending policies or guidelines so there's some things that have come up to that do create genuine concern so i don't want to like be dismissive of a of a valid concern but also whenever you take a, a very large technology you know categorically speaking like machine learning and kind of lump it into just one area like decisioning, mm-hmm. then it kind of becomes a little dangerous to where, you know, we're in we're in a wholly, you know, holistically different category, which is intelligent document automation. There's probably 30 different pockets of of these things that that roll up to to that broader term. Um, I mean, I will say if I kind of had to put my finger on it, you know, what is kind of the the broader fear and concern is, is just lack of understanding and knowledge and look I'm a guilty party as well that that throws these buzzwords around and you know really try to push innovation you know into the industry and and talk about these things and without really slowing down and breaking it into very simple terms in terms of what the solutions actually doing what it's doing with the data what you could what you could control what it can't control what are the real limitations so um, a lot of a lot of pie in the sky buzzword type stuff without really pragmatic explanation and application of, of what that's actually doing well let's you know? let's do this right now i, I
2: want to slow things down back to your point and let's talk practical application let's go beyond buzzword bingo and for the the lenders, for the leaders who are listening right now at a financial brand, at a bank, at a credit union, at a fintech, what are some of the biggest opportunities around intelligent document automation that are available for them to either A, create something new, capture maybe something that they already have but they're missing out on, or B, capitalize on on a strength that they already have to do it even that much better going forward. So let's use those as our, our three frames and break each one of one of these down. So what's something new that, that you see that they could create through this idea of not, not machine learning, let's throw the buzzwords out, but intelligent automation here from an operational perspective.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And and I think if you kind of zoom out a little bit more and talk about, what's relevant from a macroeconomic standpoint, um, and really kind of put the technology in the lens of what's happening in the world of banking today as it relates to the financial markets, the regulatory climate, um, just the general business climate. And you kind of think about that, well, coming out of coming out of COVID, uh, James, to your point, you had a lot of acceleration of digital transformation. Banks have talked about it for 10 years and is like all of a sudden, everybody got hit in the face and it's like, we need these things to reach customers where they are today. We can't wait three, four years anymore. And it moved all that stuff forward. And then kind of coming out of that, you kind of had this market correction to where, you know, banks need to cut down on cost, margin compressions happening with lending. It's like, how do you improve operational efficiency around this? And then the third element around the macroeconomic climate is, you're seeing a lot of regulatory scrutiny, updates of older rulings, new rulings, with a lot more enforcement around those things due to the lending boom that happened. It's like, okay, now we're starting to see some more delinquencies. How do we ensure that, that these people should have got these loans in the first place? So getting back to your original question, I think probably one of the lowest hanging fruit areas is a augmentation of existing processes around fair lending and compliance. So not to get too far down in the weeds, but, you know, common practices around collecting demographic data for mortgage uh, to make sure that there's no lending bias there with like the uh, Home Mortgage Disclosure Act, HUMDA, or with small business lending with the Community Reinvestment Act, um, or the future Dodge rate 1071 ruling. All these, all these rulings are based on collecting demographic data from borrowers and ultimately what's happening behind the scenes is that's a lot of data. Mm. You know, you're, you're lending tens and thousands of loans. You're collecting hundreds of data points. And ultimately there is a lot of discrepancy between what's in these, these sources of truth, the actual lending documents, the business systems, the reporting systems. Whenever the government regulators look at this stuff and what we've heard over and over again is that there's teams that come in at banks that do nothing but spend time scrubbing this data. Right. Um, so, you know, this compliance data scrub for things like Humda and CRA is such low hanging fruit. Um, it's, it's a task that, you know, compliance people are, are one they're hard to find. Um, they're the relative, they're not cheap either. Um, and just to speak candidly, nobody out there is, is, you preaching to the next generation how awesome it is to go into to banking compliance, and so there's there is a shortage there as well, and it's like you're you're spending time doing things like scrubbing data whenever you need these folks partnering with the business on how do you operationalize and mitigate these risks uh, from the regulatory pressure. So that's just a simple augmentation of an existing process, like a, a good use case of. Like, hey, this 100% could be almost fully automated. I like the way that you have framed this
2: around an augmentation of an existing process. Um, I would, I, I think about things as optimization, augmentation, optimization, because we're taking something that is good and we're making it even better going forward, and we're creating value. We're freeing up people's time from the rote, from the repeatable. I think more value can be created from their expertise. Let the machine, let the automation do all of the, quote unquote, the hard work. And then we can get back to more of the critical thinking to to do even better as an organization around these points of, of compliance. What's your take on, on, on that perspective there?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that that and this kind of goes back to the original question around fear around machine learning and automation. It's not going to replace people's job. It's going to empower knowledge workers. Mm. Um, it's gonna. It's going to take all these lower value tasks that you're hiring expensive people to do, and and allow them to focus on actually thinking and optimizing the the business. Yeah. Um, and and so I I think that that whenever we reframe that people are gonna become more accepting of these tools as, hey, these are things that are here to make my job easier, you know, so I'm not having to work 60 hours a week.
1: Just like people feel stressed about money, we understand digital growth can also feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. But it doesn't have to feel this way for you because you can join the Digital Growth University to gain clarity through education, to overcome the fear of the unknown, Build your team's courage with a growth strategy to eliminate the fear of change and increase your confidence with coaching to remove the fear of failure. Visit digitalgrowth.com slash university to apply.
2: Let me take this a little bit further here because this is something that I've been thinking a lot about as I've been writing my second book, Banking on Change, that I have framed around the four exponential growth environments. There's, a, there's an environment back to the point of seasons, seasons of growth. There's There's seasons or environments that we can be learning, we can be thinking, we can be doing, and we can be reviewing. And if I think mm-hmm. back over the last maybe 20 or 30 years of business, um, it's very easy to fall in love with what we do and even maybe at a deeper level attach our identity to the work that we do. Where I see probably one of the greatest challenges for transformation when it comes to people in the age of AI and automation is to detach from the doing so that our self-worth goes beyond, hey, this is what I do. Now, if you love to do all of this deep level compliance work and scrub this data, well, that's fantastic. But hey, did you know that you could do even better if we enter in automation to free you up, to create space and time for you to pause to review, to reflect what you've done, to learn through those experiences, to think about how you could do even better. And as a result, you're going to grow personally, professionally, the organization's going to grow, your team is going to grow. What, what do you think it is that, and just think about yourself too. And I think that's the best the best perspective to think from. How do you, because you are chief revenue officer, growth is part of your dna how do you continuously let go of things from the past to create space to grow going forward into the future
0: And hey, jace that's a great question and honestly quite quite relevant for some recent self-reflection i've had you know all of us kind of do that at the beginning of the year and yeah. meet, i haven't been here at any capture for three years and we we've three x revenue since since you know we had a, a growth equity investment brought in a new ceo i I joined shortly after him. It's been a great journey, but you know, we're a private equity backed business. We're very metrics and data driven. Uh, we process engineer a lot of things. We we measure, we're high performance, high accountability. And, you know, the thing that that is easy to get caught up in in is tying yourself worth to to do to that mm. all the time of of the ebbs and flows of just your work, right? And and just the nature of. Of running a business and and all those things. And the thing that that I've really challenged myself through lately to kind of take a step back on is to really kind of think about the things that have an impact that ultimately result in those things. Yeah. And and those things are the relationships I I have with people here at Capture. Um, you know, my my executive peers, folks on my team. Um, am I really spending enough time with them mentoring and coaching them and and really, really making sure this is an impactful experience for them and in helping them be successful? Cause ultimately all those metrics and data, it's just a byproduct of that. And then the other thing too is is slowing down and really listening to to our banking customers more. Um so we've really slowed down and are doing standing monthly. In fact, we just started doing this six months ago and that's what kind of allowed us to make this, this pretty good pivot to focusing on compliance was we said, hey, every single month, all of our key accounts, we're going to have standing meetings with our executive sponsors at these banks and it's going to come in agenda-free outside of, we want to know what's important to you right now, not as it relates to machine learning, not as it relates to in Capture, but just help us understand how how the bank is thinking about their business right now, how they're approaching this. And, and then from there, you know, we can, we can figure out how to help them achieve their goals. And so, you know, it's, it's challenging whenever, you know, I'm wired to, to measure everything, data, metrics, you know, everything's a big math problem to me in a way. And, um, and to take a step back and say, Hey, look, these are just a result of, of listening, caring, good relationships and doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I, I I don't know why that's that is such a common sense thing, and but yet bringing that to the forefront and kind of taking a step back, I felt like has really had a, a big impact. Just on me personally, like here lately, just I kind of just feel like a lot more stress free. To where it's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm doing the right things. We're doing the right things. Um, and then also just just seeing the positive impact with. With folks here in capture, and um, with our customers, to where you know, at, at the end of the day, we all want to be appreciated, and yeah. you know, you have to earn that right. And slowing down and, and spend the time and just talking about how can I help you, yeah, is uh, it's I, I don't know, I don't know why it, it's you know can can slip away or you can lose um, sight of that, but be- um, because I honestly
2: I think it's we we get so busy. Doing. And mm-hmm. before you know it, that doing, that 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 sense of quote unquote busyness, that becomes the standard operating norm. And if we step outside of that, it feels different. And because it yeah. feels different, it feels uncomfortable. So what do we do? We want to go and do more work. Back to your point of the compliance officer working, you know 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Is that sustainable for the long term? You can sprint and 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 really work and grind for a period of time. But I think one of the big lessons that has come out of the whole COVID experience around ADA, around automation, around data, around AI is that you know what? If we learn and we must create the space to just pause. So that we can review and reflect and learn through either those experiences or learn through other sources. It's the learning that helps us to begin to see things differently than how we saw Mm -hmm. things before. And when you start to see things differently, you're going to naturally as a byproduct begin to think differently. And that thought, that thinking is then going to influence you to do differently than how you did before. And to me, I look at the idea of intelligent automation as a teammate to create that space and time for us to be, for lack of a better word, even better people, <laughs> because we yeah. have that ability to do things we weren't able to do before. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it removes friction and drag, mm. right? To where to where you it's it's challenging to to come up and and have you know, more self-reflection, learning strategy, coaching, all these elements. How do you provide a better customer experience? All these things. If if you're just drugged down by, yeah. by these, by these manual. T- and the thing about like the compliance examples, you have to do it. Yes. I mean, if there, if there's anything that could potentially end a bank, it's that. It's table. Stakes. Um. Yeah. And so you, it, it is kind of a catch 22 to where, you know ultimately removes friction and, and there's a lot of things in the automation space as well on the other end of the spectrum around you know customer experience and, and digital journey around you know lending or account openings to where those things can you can remove friction from the customer there as well and, and get them through a process more pleasurable and faster and and ultimately there's a better business outcome to where higher conversion less cost all those things uh, too so it it is this element to where we're seeing machine learning remove remove just a lot of friction and clu- like clutter and drags probably the best yeah best word for it you know well you're talking two sides of the coin
2: here you're talking first and foremost optimizing the internal employee experience through augmentation around automation and then second now we're about to go down a path to the other side of the coin which is the external cx the customer experience or the mx if you're a credit union the member experience mm-hmm. and experiences as we define them here at the digital growth institute are nothing more than well-defined systems and processes that have been a strategically thought and mapped out be applied and then the 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 opportunity is the C, it's the optimization of those experiences, hopefully resulting in a positive emotion or or potentially a negative emotion. But if it's a negative emotion, well, let's learn from that to then do even better going forward into the future. So thinking about this external customer or member experience around intelligent automation, where's an opportunity here that you see from your perspective of the world?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and James, all the best ideas come from come from the banks and the credit unions. They're they're not in captures ideas. They're they're ideas that that they brought to us. And um, this was actually a, a FinTech lender that that came to us um, doing a lot, like very large volume personal loans, had just IPO'd and and was literally doing hundreds of thousands of these personal loans every single month. And their whole business model was hey, somebody applies online we asked them for information around you know proof of identification proof of income proof of residency and you know if we can't get that information in like less than 5 minutes they'll go get a, they'll go get it somewhere else they'll mm-hmm. go get a loan somewhere else they'll go do business with someone else and so they came to this idea they said okay your your technology has the ability to take these supporting documents you know IDs driver's license passports your bank statements, things like that. All of the annoying, the,
2: frustrating
0: stuff yeah, for people. The, the stuff you got to dig through and has the ability to basically extract data out, tell it, hey, is this what, what the customer's saying it is? And does the information match the application? They said, y'all are telling us that can do this. They're like, can we, can we augment that into our existing digital application flow? Meaning that instead of saying, hey, you've been pre approved, we're going to send you a message, you know, I think they were using text messages to where it's like, you know, somebody's going to reach out asking you to upload these documents via your cell phone. Pretty slick still, right? Yeah. But, but their whole deal was they're like, if we can keep somebody in that flow yep, and immediately get them to upload those docs, if they submitted something out of date, we can ask them to resubmit if they put their thumb over it, <laughs> you know, all these things, like we've all been through this with, you know, opening, a opening a mortgage mm-hmm. or, or Open an account, whatever it might be. Um, I think one thing that was really relevant to these folks is just the nature of their business was so, had to be so sharp um, to where it's like, they're like, look, we've got to have somebody in this flow because abandonment rates are everything to us. Yes. Like, any way, any way we can reduce that is material. And then there's operational cost reduction too. It's, you know, hey, you've got folks on the other side manually looking at those documents, being like, does the income in the application match the the W-2 or the bank statement? Yep. And all of that could be done through machine learning. And the, the coolest thing is you could just keep somebody all the way through that digital flow, all the way till that money's in their bank account. You got happy customers. Um, I, I personally think that that's a very impactful experience. And then to bring this all full circle, if you're collecting good data up front, this compliance issues on the back end usually aren't going to exist because you've kind of done this this qaqc up front by validating the data that's being put into the system against the source document as opposed to human error being introduced early so it's it is this big life cycle of, of
2: data this is the i would say the number one problem that we see and then we provide guidance and recommendations and coaching around because what good is filling the top of the funnel with more traffic? It doesn't matter the sources of the traffic if we're losing all of that at the bottom of the funnel. There's so much, I think, you know, back to your point, low-hanging fruit to capture there. I want to get your take on this as we start to wrap up. Roadblocks. What are the things, what are the roadblocks, what are the challenges that hold financial brands back their leaders back their lenders back from really optimizing whether that be internal systems and processes to you know make the employee experience that much better or external experience and processes to make the customer the member experience that much better what is it that holds them back from from taking these steps around intelligent automation
0: that's a great question i mean Everybody gets it at the business level. I mean, for, for a solution like ours, ultimately we'll we'll go in and, and have a conversation around the ROI uh with with the with an executive leadership team. Mm-hmm. And 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 they they look at this stuff and kind of to bring it back to like a traditional example, you know, if somebody's working in the branch as a personal banker and they're having to every time they open an account, do five steps to break up a document, send it to five different departments you know, we'll present that and it'll be a million dollar savings. Yeah. Um, real example from a bank, you know, 30 billion asset bank here in Texas. But the CFO told us, he said, Hey, look, these people like, you know, the, the ROI makes sense, but like these people, we're not going to get rid of them. He's like, but this is time that they need to be spending with the customers and the members. Yes. Um, they don't need to be jacking around doing this. Um, so, you know, there, there's that element that that makes sense. I will say whenever you really kind of get this into the hopper of bank says, yes, we want to do this. They want to move forward. The biggest bottleneck that that we see is resources. Mm. Um, so there is a massive backlog in just about every bank and credit union that we've talked to in terms of projects and resources and all of these things. And so one thing that we found is that not many have the appetite for these big two year digital transformation projects anymore. No. Um, just simply don't have the resources. It needed to be done yesterday. And so we've had to really adapt our business model to say, okay, yes, there's six or seven things that we could potentially automate here at this bank or credit union, but how do we prioritize, break that into low-hanging fruit and kind of deliver that in 90 day chunks? Yes. And then also the the you know, not to get too technical, but the the world of SaaS has has opened up just an amazing toolkit to be able to deliver these these tools faster, quicker, more repeatable, um, less resource intensive, less expensive on the the bank and and um, credit union side of things. That has had a material impact as it relates to you know previous on-prem type stuff as well. But I would still say that that's probably the biggest challenge. Is even whenever everybody wants to do it, it has funding. It's like Man, we, we don't even have folks to support this and do this. And so, you know, kind of looking at this from a more pragmatic standpoint and saying, okay, yeah, we want to do all this, but, but how do we, how do we break this into smaller chunks? And and James, you know, hopefully this is, you know, kind of speaks to something you're passionate about from a, from a change management standpoint. We found that to be way more effective because everybody wants to be part of a win. Yeah. And so if we, if we can break this into. 90 day like wins of delivering ROI and success and value, as opposed to everybody waiting a year, two years until this big bang of, of value. It's so much easier from an adoption and uh, just, just the, the social aspect of, of folks getting behind it and want to embrace it. You know, you usually find one group in there that's like, Hey, look, we're willing to be first. Yes. Um, and, and you get those folks successful and then you earn the right to do more. But, um, you know, I, I do think that there is this expectation that needs to change from from vendors like ourselves to where it's like, hey, look, it's it, it might sound counterintuitive to not go chase million-dollar software deals. But ultimately, you need to focus on how do you carve this up in a way at which sets the customer up for more long-term success. Quicker value, faster change management. And we we've made some really smart adjustments around that, I I feel. But um I, I just kinda think it's a nature of of of, you know, just something that kind of just slows things down a little bit right now. So let me let me just share this back out to
2: the dear listener here, because back to your point, you did pick up on this. I'm very passionate about change management because as a digital anthropologist, I've studied the intersection of marketing and sales and technology and then human behavior over the last 20 plus years. And I would say at this point in my own personal journey of growth, I am most interested and most intrigued at the most complex technology, even in this age of AI on planet Earth, which I say is the human mind. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. This is going to determine whether or not any type of future growth initiative, you know, you know, gets that buy-in, gets that acceptance, gets that adoption, that commitment, and really, I think even more deeply than that, the courage to commit to move forward with confidence. And yep. and I liked how you broke this up into small chunks, um, and the idea of the ninety-day win. In fact you know, you're 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 leaping ahead into the banking on change methodology, which which I'm I'm writing around the 90-day growth method. Because if we can get that early win, we get some momentum, we get some wind in the cells, well, that's gonna continue to propel us forward going into the next 90-day period of growth. And it's just a different way, I think, of looking at the world back to the point I was making before. You see things differently. When you see things differently, you're going to think differently. And I've asked this question thousands of times now to financial brand leaders. I said, okay, well, when you think differently, what's going to happen next? 99.99% say, I'm going to do different. I'm going to act different. I'm going to be different. And I say, I understand where you're coming from, but do you mind if I give you a different perspective? And they say, yeah, sure. I said, to bridge the gap between the thought and then the action, the thought and the commitment, it comes down to feeling and emotion. So you see different. You're going to think different you think different well then whether or not you act is based upon do you feel any different because the desire the feeling the emotion to then go and commit to do something different has to be greater than the desire to remain the same stuck in the status quo and i think back to your point you're helping people feel the wins and like you said everyone wants to be part of something where they're winning together let's get real practical here at the very end as as we wrap up tyler I always like to send the dear listener off with something that they can do, that they can get a quick win around. Something small, because all future growth begins with a small, simple commitment that they can take today. What is the one small thing that you would recommend for them to do next on their own journey of growth around what we have discussed with intelligent automation?
0: Yeah, I mean, we we talked a lot about this this compliance component and just the macroeconomic circumstances that that banks and credit unions are under. So I would encourage you know digital banking leaders to to go talk to these compliance teams to to talk to them about these processes um and it doesn't just have to be the the compliance team talk to any of these folks that are doing any of this work and, and say what are the things that are giving you drag uh what what are the things that that ultimately are preventing you from from doing what you really need to do to, to move the business forward um and create a list of of those things and you know from there you can kind of figure out okay well one, do we even need to be doing this anymore? Mm. And then two, if we have to, can we automate it? Yes. Um, and then three, if you can't automate it, it's like, okay, well, how do you optimize that beyond automation? But it's kind of funny. We, we, we list out here at, here at in capture, we get together. We're like, what do we need to start doing? Stop doing. We do these meetings a bunch internally. And it's like, half the stuff is like usually like, yeah, let's just stop doing that. Yes. You know? Yes. And, um, and so I, I would encourage everybody to, to go talk to their teams and just, Figure out what the things are that that are that are creating creating drag. Yeah, and I like
2: that idea of having the difficult conversation of what do we need to let go of to continue to grow, and if we don't want to or don't have to or don't need to let go of it, how can we look to automate the predictable so that we can humanize the exceptional? I'm pulling from the founder of, of Four Seasons there. That was a big big part of the Four Seasons experience. Automate the predictable. Yeah to humanize the exceptional. Tyler, this has been a fantastic conversation today. Thank you for joining me. If someone wants to continue the conversation, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hello to you?
0: Yeah, the best way to reach out to me is probably on LinkedIn. Um, so feel free to throw me a connection request. Also we've got a pretty heavy travel schedule coming up with you know show season coming up this spring. Right. So let me know where y'all are going to be. Would be glad to connect in person as well. And uh, James, thank you for today. This has been a pleasure.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler, for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Connect with Tyler, learn with Tyler, grow with Tyler. Tyler, thanks again, buddy. Thanks, James. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, make your bed.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights, along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.